0: We are going to hear from our connected community in Westride.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Ian. I might not have met many of you yet, but I'm one of the leaders at the West Rye Gathering. I've also been doing the Berea course with Stu and Karen over Zoom in the past year. And I'd just like to share with you a brief story about the current location of our gathering in the new year. As you might know, our gathering has been meeting at Grace and Michelle's home throughout last year, and we have about 12 regulars. And each week, we chat through a small part of the Bible together. And it's been really fun just getting to know each other as friends. So we were excited to start meeting again in the new year. In addition to our Bible chats, we were planning to start watching this live stream service together as a group so that we could become more connected to each other and to you all as a church community. But we we realized that we now have to deal with the new COVID limit of five guests per household. And so we had an idea to maybe book a room at an RSL club or something like that. So we called up a couple of places and by we, I mean Grace who did all of the organizing. So thanks to Grace and by God's grace, uh, the very last place that she called up turned out to be a great fit for us. So here is the place. It's basically a function room at a pub in West Ryde. And so long as we buy some food and drink, it's free, amazing. There's a projector for us to watch the service on And I guess if we get bored, we could watch the cricket as well. And it makes it really easy for us to have dinner together. We met there for the first time last Saturday. And while we're still ironing out all of the kinks of meeting in a place like this, we had a nice chat over Ecclesiastes. We listened to the service together. And I think everybody had a good time. It's still a temporary location for us for now, but we're very thankful to have found this place. Please keep praying for us as we're in the process of finding a more permanent location. Thanks for listening.
2: Okay, we're going to take uh, some time now to read from the Word. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance. Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, "'What are you doing?' Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. Then too I saw the wicked buried, buried. those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too is meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve, and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life, because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labour that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun, despite all their efforts to search it out no one can discover its meaning even if the wise claim they know they cannot really comprehend it
3: well i'd like to add my welcome to you uh, today on Soul revival digital it is very exciting as ethan said earlier that today we are launching uh, a brand new approach to our digital broadcasts. And as Ethan said, this won't be without its uh, challenges in the future, and we do appreciate your grace up to now as we continue to try and make a really helpful ministry to those of you who can't get to Soul Revival Church physically, either because of COVID or other uh, reasons, or because you live so far away that you can't manage to get uh, to the Solon Shire at one of our service times, one of our six service times during the weekend, or you might also be a part of one of our new yeah, well our new connected community at West Ride. So a special welcome to those of you at West Ride who are watching today. But I know there are people all over Australia and around the world watching now, and so rather than just broadcasting our gatherings, we thought it'd be really great if for whatever reason people can't get along to our gatherings each week that we just have a digital gathering that we can all watch. So we can all own this digital gathering and this can be ours. So we're really excited to have you with us. Thank you for Uh, tuning in and i hope that you'll be greatly encouraged as we continue to look at our series in ecclesiastes today and today we come to chapter eight now before we look at the passage today i'd like to uh, share a story with you from an email that i got from open doors australia open doors is an organization that supports the persecuted church around the world and this week it told another story of persecution this time from north korea and in north korea there's a young girl called kim And she was a 12-year-old girl when she discovered a hidden Bible in her North Korean home. It turns out that the hidden Bible was her father's. And this is what Kim writes. She said, I knew this book was illegal. I had shivers throughout my body. I was so very afraid. But in the end, I chose to confront my father. That's when he explained the Bible and the gospel to me. Now, Sang-wei made a radical decision to give her life to Christ that day after her father explained the gospel to her. But that would be a life altering decision. Rather than making a hurried decision to rush off with her discovered Bible that she'd found of her father's and give it to her school teacher, which is what uh, she'd been taught to do, to expose even her own family if they were caught with a Bible. Her decision would lead to the fact that the authorities would go after her, would spy on her, would threaten her and attack her life all for following Jesus. Today, more and more North Koreans are choosing to follow Jesus in the face of extreme persecution. And as Karen prayed earlier, uh, those of us that do live in Australia, we're very blessed by the fact that we don't have the authorities persecuting us directly as Kim uh, has in her life. But what Kim chose to do under extreme persecution is a great witness and example to us, that in all we do under the sun, we should make sure that we obey the Lord. And that we put him first and know that he will protect us and that we can trust him. Kim had to choose to either obey the earthly head of state, the supreme leader of the North Korean regime, Kim Jong-un, a communist dictator, or expose her father to the, um, oh, sorry, and expose her father to the secret police, or was she going to obey this new king of the universe, the real supreme leader that her father introduced her to? as he explained why he had a Bible. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, this is the big idea of this passage. It's about actually daily choosing to obey God, despite what circumstances we might find ourselves in. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 2, the teacher instructs us to obey the edict of the true supreme leader that we have taken an oath for. Now, let's have a look at chapter 2, Uh, The text of this passage should come up on the the screen that you might have uh, looked at earlier. But as with all our physical gatherings, we encourage you at home to have a Bible on your lap because there's nothing that replaces how intimate it is to have God's Word on your lap as you are listening to a sermon. So that you can read the passage for yourself too. So if you don't have it on you, that's okay. I'm going to be reading it, but I'd encourage you to think about getting a Bible for yourself. And if you need a Bible and you can't get one, please just chuck a comment down in the comment section, and we can help you to get a Bible for yourself. Well, anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verses two to four: "Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do uh, do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause." For he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him what you are doing? Now, I think that in general, what the passage is saying here is that a king has great power and you have to be very cautious as you approach a king. Don't just hurriedly stand up to a king without thinking through the consequences. Think through that the king has power over you. But I think there's something deeper at work here in verses 2 to 4, that go deeper than just obey our earthly masters. What we need to remember is that the only one who has supreme words to say in verse 4, the only one who's, the only king whose word is supreme, is God himself. So what I think is going on here is just as we would be very cautious as we approach uh, an earthly ruler who has so much power over us, so much more as Ecclesiastes encourages us time and time again, we should actually have the fear of God, the fear of the supreme ruler, God himself. And after all, even though we do make oaths to our country to, to say that we will live as harmonious citizens in our countries, etc., things like that, the, those of us who have faith have made an oath to God. Now, in the times when this was written, the readers, the first readers of this passage would have thought that the oath that they had made was the covenant that they were keeping that their ancestor Abraham had made to God. So God, Abraham made an oath to God or made a covenant or made a commitment to God when God called on him to be uh, his chosen man who would be the one who would bring bring blessing to all peoples uh, to become a great nation and to have land. And so the, the Jewish people who were reading this, the people of Israel who were reading this at the time of the writing when Solomon wrote this would have had that front of mind, that covenant that they were also covered by. The covenant that Abraham made with God was also the covenant that David made with God, the great King David. And now the teacher, Solomon, is remembering that covenant that his father David had made. Um, To help us to understand that, Psalm 89 verse 35 talks about this. This is something that is really helpful here. Once and for all I have sworn by my holiness I will not lie to David. In other words, the writer of the psalm is saying that they want to keep in step with the covenant made to David and that's what Solomon is doing here but for us as Christians those of us who are Christians people of faith right now we know that we have made a covenant with God too that is a covenant that is in line with the covenant of Abraham but has been renewed through the Lord Jesus Christ in fact in Matthew chapter 10 verse 32 Jesus says whoever acknowledges me before others I will acknowledge before my father in heaven So the decision we make to follow Jesus is the oath that we make when we become a Christian. Basically, we recognize our own fallenness and sinfulness. We recognize our own rebellion, that there's nothing we can do to make right anything we've done wrong. And when we become a Christian, we recognize the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as payment once and for all for all of our transgressions and sins. And as a result, as we acknowledge Jesus and his death on the cross, and know that he rose from the dead that he promised us that he didn't deserve death but he died in our place so that he could take the punishment we deserve for our sin so in other words when we make a recognition of Jesus' sacrifice as payment for our sins and we repent of our sin and we say sorry for our sin god forgives us of our sin because of what jesus has done for us and as a result of our commitment to jesus Um, and his death on the cross we receive the Holy Spirit so that we might live for God instead of living for ourselves now this is not just a philosophical belief this is actually a decision or an oath if you like in the context of this passage that actually means that we we change the way we live as a result of this new covenant that we've made with God Um, we don't rush to make decisions as Christians I think that's what's taken up in verse three too If you have a look there back in verse three do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence now obviously there's a context there in the literal throne room you don't just rush out of the throne room of a king because you know that might be disrespectful but here there's a deeper theological context as well don't be quick to leave god's presence in a difficult situation think of kim she found herself in a very difficult situation. She had a Bible that she knew was illegal. Her father was obviously hiding that Bible and reading it secretly and she discovered it. She had a decision. Do I rush to my teacher and give the Bible to my teacher knowing that my father will be arrested and taken away by the authorities? Or do I actually sit down with my father and ask him what it means? The astounding decision that she made to slow down meant that she was able to listen to her father's explanation of why he was reading it. And in his explanation, she found faith herself and committed herself to God remember again Matthew 10 32 Jesus says whoever acknowledges me before others I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven what a wonderful promise that if we acknowledge Jesus Christ on this earth before others Jesus will acknowledge us before our heavenly father on the day of judgment so while we were deserving of judgment for all the bad things that we've done Jesus will acknowledge us before the Father, meaning that he will actually say, I have actually paid the price of my servant who has acknowledged me because they acknowledge me before others. I acknowledge that I have them in the palm of my hand. See, if God is actually saving us from our sin, he is our guide on our path of life. He knows the situations we're going to go through. In fact, he's guiding us through those situations. And if we find ourselves in a difficult situation... Let's not abandon God. Let's not leave the presence of God in the throne room when we go through a difficult situation. Ecclesiastes uh, 5.8 unpacks the benefit of that. Have a look with me in chapter 8 at verses 5 to 8. Whoever obeys his commands will come no harm. See there, there's the confidence that we can have that even in a difficult situation, if we have to put ourselves at risk to the earthly authorities because we are following God's commands like Kim did, We can know ultimately that we'll face no harm in eternity because Jesus will actually acknowledge us before the Father. So we're safe in eternity. The wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and a procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Let's not rush to conclusions when we find ourselves in a difficult situation. Let's not just get angry at God if something goes wrong. Actually, let's remember there's a proper time for every matter that we need to actually not be weighed down by our misery. Because in verse 7, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else is what to come? God knows our future. He knows the trials we'll go through, but he also knows our ultimate future, that he can protect us in eternity. And no one else has that power other than the supreme king of the whole universe. Look at verse 8. As no one has power over the wind to command it, so no one has power over the time of their death. Human beings cannot even direct the wind. We can try and predict when the wind will come with our weather stations and we have a lot of technology to help us to do that but we can't have the power over the wind to contain it. So no one has the power over the time of their own death and yet God has actually predetermined how many heartbeats my heart will take before it stops. God knows exactly how many heartbeats your heart will take before it stops. He has that power. No one has discharged in a time of war so wickedness will not be released from those who practice it that's an interesting way to finish that section as no one is discharged in time of war so wickedness will not release those who practice it there's this interesting warning that comes to the end of this section that if we reject the opportunity to obey the king and we preside in wickedness and we don't repent of our sin then there will be a dark future and the dark future will be that despite whatever success someone can have under the sun in this life, there will be a coming judgment. And the injustices that are active under the sun, whereby wicked people refuse to actually repent of their sin, are dealt with in verses nine to 13. I'm not gonna read all of nine to 13 to us today, but what I'm gonna say is this from verse nine, all I, all this I saw as I applied to my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt then too I saw the wicked buried and those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this this too is meaningless basically there are those who will succeed in this world who perpetrate injustice and wickedness and yet they are lauded in the temple they are lauded in the streets this too is meaningless. The, the teacher is frustrated that wicked people can be buried and yet there can be a statue that can be erected to their honour that can remain and future generations will look back and say, how great was that person? But they don't know that the wickedness they perpetrated to achieve that status that gives them a statue or a place of honour in the temple was actually achieved through the suffering of others. Verse 11, when this sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, a person's heart is filled with schemes to do wrong. The temptation, the teacher says, is when we see a wicked person lauded even though their unrighteous acts go unrecognized, we are tempted to do wrong. We've seen that in the last 12 months, haven't we, as people who have felt injustice in their own communities have taken to the streets. We can see that when we rush to... um, Uh, undo the wrongs of the past. Sometimes we can actually undo them effectively but often we can actually perpetrate more wrong in the frustration at the wrong that has been done. We know don't we that Jesus himself said do not repay evil with evil but repay evil with good. Although verse 12 a wicked person who commits hundreds of crimes may live a long time I know that it will go better with those who fear God who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. Now, the passage is not saying here that we shouldn't stand up to injustice here on this earth. And we should. There's lots of examples of Christians through history and in our present time who have stood up to historic injustices and current injustices. And we should stand up as Christians and have a voice against injustice in our time. But we also should remember too that even if our voices do not change, The situation and there remains an edifice to wickedness in our generation, God will actually not be the God of popular opinion. God is not the earthly king who chooses what he or she will uh, preside over in a matter on this earth. God is the supreme ruler and his word is eternal and he will judge wickedness. And the only people who escape his judgment are those of us who accept the payment for wickedness that Jesus had on the cross. Verses 14 to 15, unpack this a little bit. If we do fear the Lord, as we're instructed in that earlier section, we need to remember that we need to live differently to the wicked. In verse 14, there is something else meaningless that occurs on the earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve, this too is meaningless. So I commend uh, commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be glad then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life that God has given them under the sun. What the teacher is saying there is there is that frustration that we feel when wicked people get what righteous people deserve and righteous people get what wicked people deserve. He says this interesting thing we should actually just enjoy life we should eat and drink and be glad and then joy will accompany our toil all the days of our life. Is this actually the teacher saying, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die? In other words, the world's broken. There's nothing you can do about it. You might as well just enjoy yourself. Well, no, actually, that's not what's being spoken of here. To understand this, this is what it says in chapter 8, verse 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. I commend the enjoyment of life. Now, There's two ways you can enjoy life. It's not necessarily eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus himself actually takes on that kind of a view of life. That sort of idea that, oh, look, the world is broken. I might as well just enjoy myself and party. There's a rich fool who is so rich that he can't fit all his grain in his barn he's delighted. So he decides he's going to build a second barn and store up even more treasure for himself in the barn, in his earthly splendor and glory and wealth. And yet the night he decides to build the barn, he dies. And Jesus says, you fool, you are actually building up treasure on earth instead of building up real treasure in heaven. See, we can build up earthly treasure and enjoy this life to the full or we can enjoy the life we can have that Jesus can give us in eternity. If we know that we have been forgiven for our sin, we are not going to be selfish and just keep all our resources to ourselves. We are not going to be like the rich, wicked people who oppress the poor. We will actually enjoy life differently. Jesus himself said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. But that's not a life of debauchery and over, over um, excessive living. I think the scriptures give us a really good insight into how living a life to the full and enjoying life to the full under the sun amidst the meaninglessness of injustice can be lived out. I think it's to actually, in part, live as a contrast to the wicked. To help me here, I've got Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. In Isaiah 1, 17, it says, "'Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed,' Take the course of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. And Micah 6, 6 to 8 says this. With what shall I come before the Lord? In other words, how shall I live my life? And bow down before the exalted God, the supreme leader, the king of the universe. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with cars, a year old? Now that was the sacrifice that the Jewish people were asked to bring in payment for their sin. They are asked to bring sacrifices to the Lord. But here in Micah, verse 7, he picks up what Isaiah was talking about. Think of others, not just yourself. Think about how you live your life. Don't just go to the temple and sacrifice a calf and say, that will please God. How is your life a living sacrifice? Don't just come to church on the weekend or watch this broadcast and think, oh, now I've done my bit to serve the Lord. Verse 7, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil, olive oil? Is the Lord pleased with thousands and thousands of people coming to church, but then completely those people ignoring him in their daily lives? It says, He shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord does require of you. This is the same as Isaiah, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Can you see how that's in contrast To the wicked of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Again, Isaiah said, Do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and look after the cause of the widow. Time and time again, we're encouraged in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and today we don't have time to unpack all those New Testament verses, but James particularly picks up on this idea too in his letter. Basically, the Christian is to live a life where we actually celebrate life by serving and loving other people. And we do that not at arm's length by just giving money to good causes, although that is something we should think of doing as well. But how can we actually, in our communities, be places of righteousness and places of justice? That's our revival here at our gatherings each week. We have a hospitality ministry. And in a hospitality ministry, we have a dinner or a breakfast, a meal at every service. And one of the great things about that meal is that we often have people who come along to that meal and can actually maybe take a bit extra after they've finished at the end of the night. Because we always cook a bit more than we need for the night. And people will take that home. And that gives people who may be doing it tough and don't have enough money at the moment to be able to have a good feed every day of the week to actually with dignity take some of the really good home cooked food that they've been able to enjoy on the Saturday night or the Sunday morning and take it home for another meal. That can really help people out. So as a community, we're actually seeking to have hospitality for people who actually don't have enough to make ends meet, for the widows and the orphans. Also, this weekend in Australia, we're celebrating Australia Day. Australia Day has become a very contentious day in our calendar as people talk very deeply about what is the very best way and the best date to celebrate our nation. Obviously, Australia Day... January twenty-six marks the day that the Union flag was first flown over Australian soil. And it's the day that the First Nations people of Australia were dispossessed of their land. And so many see this day as a day of celebration in Australia. Many see this day as a day of mourning and a day of invasion. As Christians, we are seeking to remember that the only way our peoples can be reconciled is through the Lord Jesus Christ that his death on the cross is payment for all sin. And that once we turn to Christ and accept uh, his death on the cross to pay for our sins, we are reconciled to God, even though our own personal wickedness and the things that we have done wrong has made us enemies of God. He's forgiven us and brought us near because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that same act of sacrifice on the cross, Jesus also unites us and reconciles us to each other. This is something that my dear friend, my First Nations uh, uh, friend, Isaac Gordon, who is an Aboriginal pastor in Brewarrina, has taught me, that true reconciliation is found in Christ. And Isaac has encouraged us at Soul Revival to actively express that reconciliation that we have in Christ Jesus, that in Christ we can come together as brothers and sisters. And coming up just a few weeks after Australia Day, we are having a friendship visit with another one of our Aboriginal First Nation friends, Michael Duckett and his community, where we're gonna partner together to build a shed in Campbelltown. See, practical, bringing actual acts of justice into our community so that we can actually express the beautiful reality of what it looks like to obey the Supreme King. In a world full of meaningless and injustice, we can be a light to this world. Yet, it is also not only good to do that within our community, but to speak up for people. There are Christians who speak up for refugees. There are Christians who speak up for the unborn. There are Christians who speak up for all sorts of important causes where there are people who are suffering for injustice. At Soul Revival, we are particularly interested in trying to help there to be more resources for more Aboriginal pastors in Sydney. Despite the fact that there are tens of thousands of Aboriginal people who live in Sydney, there is only one Anglican pastor. Michael Duckett, for the whole of the city. We seek to speak up for that situation to see if we can help to see change in that area. But as we stand up for uh, righteousness and seek to be different to the wicked, we need to remember that our cause needs to be God's cause. And what I want to leave you with today are two verses to help us to remember that in the midst of this unjust world we live in, we can stand up to injustice by doing what is right, by following uh, Kim's example and being a witness of the supreme leader of heaven rather than being afraid of the kings of this world. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth. We will be witnesses of Jesus. What does that mean? It means to attempt to live a life that is unsullied, uncompromised, with unbridled devotion to our Lord Jesus. A satisfaction to find in him, a joy to find in him, to eat and drink and be merry in this world in Jesus by helping other people and enjoying the fruit of that beautiful result. So that we do that, finding satisfaction in him wherever he places us. Remember please don't be hurriedly leaving the presence of God in a difficult situation. Remember him and be like him. Ecclesiastes 3:11 says that this will be a frustration because we will long for all these things to end, but the encouragement is they will be one day ended. Let me read from Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. Are you like the teacher today? Do you have eternity in your heart? Do you long for the time when all the injustices will be put to an end? If you seek to obey God, you're part of the big cosmic solution to the problems of this world that can only ultimately be found in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't yet made a step of faith to trust in Jesus why don't you chuck down in the comments today that you would like to talk to someone about how you too can be sure that you are actually going to be making such an eternal oath and a covenant to God as the teacher reminds us to do here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. And while you are thinking of your own eternal security please keep thinking of others and particularly we can be practically helping people today. One example is through open doors you can Go onto Open Doors website on the internet. You can Google Open Doors and you can give now to the persecuted Christians who survive in the most dangerous places in the world. You can give some money to support them as they help people like Kim. So as we help people in our community, we can also be reaching beyond that to the whole world. And that's why as we finish, let's remember what we say at Soul Revival, that Jesus changes everything. And we partner with him as we share the truth and love of Jesus person to person, generation to generation, culture to culture and place to place. In all things we do, let's continue to be missional and let's continue to disciple one another and let's practically help each other so that we might enjoy life to the full under the sun. One way. Thanks, Stu.
0: We're going to close in a moment now we're going to ha- hear a song and that's going to finish us off for tonight uh, but i just wanted to thank you heaps for that it's really encouraging uh, to hear from god's word in that way and about such a i think a really important message and a really mm. uh sometimes hard to swallow mm. message but something that's really cool I, i'm gonna uh if it's okay reread uh that micah mm. 6 mm. passage because i thought that was excellent mm. and a really beautiful way uh to end today um along with the, the beautiful ways, the really excellent practical ways we ended, you ended that sermon. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to read Micah 6, 6 to 8 real quick. Uh, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of, of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul he has shown you O oh mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God isn't that a beautiful way uh, a bit of application to see what the Lord requires of us mm. um, yeah I think that's really really beautiful and I yeah thank you very much for that I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to have a song uh, and that concludes our time uh, together online uh, thanks so much for tuning in um, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are just and that although the injustices of this world are difficult and are frustrating and meaningless, uh, that you have power and, uh, and over all of the situations you have power over not only the wind but you know each and every one of us so intimately that you know when our hearts how many heartbeats we will have lord i pray that we can lean we can lean on this understanding that your justice is true and right and that we will be able to glory in the life that you have given us and that we can uh, not eat drink and be merry in in that way, but Lord I pray that we can yeah um, that we can enjoy life that you have given us and walk uh, and walk with you amen amen